This is episode 80 of the Landscape Photography Show, and on this podcast episode, we're talking with Kai Hornung, and Kai joined us from Germany. Now, Kai's a really interesting character. He's a creative through and through, whether it comes to music or the newly discovered love of photography and very fast success in that love of photography, too, I might add. In this podcast episode, we dissect the correlations between his music creativity with his bands and also the love of photography and the creation that goes along with that and the outlet that it can provide just a calming relative creation process in contrast with what goes on in the music side of it so we talk a lot about that we talk a lot about competitions in photography and how that can ruffle some feathers at times but kai gives his side of the story in this episode too the landscape photography show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography it's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos so sit back relax and enjoy the show Hey everybody, we're here with Kai Hornung, and Kai is joining us from Germany, fresh off his shift in his day job as an HR consultant, and Kai, I just want to say thank you for joining us, and welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing on Clubhouse and the group that you have on there, and that's honestly how I got introduced to you, so thanks for coming on. Oh wow, thank you. Uh, Thanks so much for inviting me. I truly appreciate it being here. Why don't we get started just like I do with everybody, allow them to introduce themselves to the audience. How did you actually get started in landscape photography? Yeah, sure. It's not too long ago, actually, that I started. It's just been uh, now almost five years, uh, 2016. I was on a business trip. You just said it. I'm a human resources consultant, and I happened to go to Ireland and... I just got a new camera back then. Um, beforehand, I was just documenting family travels and family life. But then, yeah, 2015, major shakeup in my life, uh, breaking up with my family and then uh, having more time <laughs> for different things. Uh, I got myself a new camera and then took it with me to Ireland and fell in love being at a rough coast, trying to photograph it and never stopped since then. What did you learn in that first experience photographing in Ireland? I learned to love my environment and be more aware of what's happening around me. It's not that wa- that I wasn't ignorant before, but uh, the focus was on, on different things. And then I first paid attention to when does the sun actually set? Uh, what light is there? And... Uh, I was I was standing. I mean, there were, I had a colleague with me who took me there, and she was I don't know several hundred meters away, and I just enjoyed the the wind and the waves and everything. It's not that I didn't do that before in my life, but having a camera with me, I don't know. It it, it just felt different, and that's like a virus that got into me. I shouldn't say virus, not in these days, but you know what you know what I mean. So uh, I never looked back from there, and it's it's just yeah, it made me want to go back to those situations again and again. As negative as a term that virus has had, it's kind of 
gone tenfold in recent days. So, um, had you ever been creative before that point? Very much so. Yes. Uh, going back to my childhood days, I was fascinated by drawing images and, um, then as a teenager, I started writing clumsy poems, uh, to get rid of my first heartache <laughs> and then uh, formed a band with my schoolmates and have been in a band ever since. So um, my creativity has mostly been with music, um, which means, I mean, I'm, I just turned 46. So uh, I spent quite some time with, with those things. Started with a band when I was 17 and was used to writing lyrics. I'm a singer of a band and uh, write the vocal lines. We always wrote our own songs. So being creative has been a major, major part of my life. Also as a, a sort of balance to my family and business life. Yeah, your first band, Sonic Front, and now, uh, Soon Is Now is your new one. And exactly. I, I told you before we, <laughs> we jumped on, you know, I was listening really all morning to your recent music and I told like the first band was very incubus. Like the second one was uh, audio slave. What were some of the musical influences on your life when you were starting to get into music, writing lyrics and songs? Oh gosh, that's a that's a good one. Um, as a teenager, I before I got into a band, I started with. Uh, Guns N' Roses, and then turned to Metallica, Pearl Jam, Faith No More, and, and bands like that. Uh, later, Tool. Um, so it was more on the metal side of things. Incubus uh, also. So uh, that's that's how things got kind of started. And what inspired me to sing was probably mostly uh, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Yes. Nice. What what music are you listening to now? Mm, I still go back to those classics from the 90s quite often but nowadays also when i edit images it's more mellow music almost uh, and mostly no lyrics at all instrumental stuff for example i like um the icelandic guy olafur arnolds um what else um recently mogwai put out a new album i really like that it's a scottish band so um some sort of alternative uh stuff moody stuff um yeah it's mostly that but also I I've, with... I've always liked the cure for example one of the uh -huh. old classics or bands like deftones or whatever stuff like that i never would have thought that like metal would help you during processing <laughs> most, most of the people would think it's like Inya or or something like that what is what does metal do to help you process an image Mm. Well, it's it's uh, hardly ever metal that I listen to while editing, truth be told. Uh, okay. Although I could tell you some people who really go for uh, black metal while editing. <laughs> it, it maybe shows in their images, which goes more for Saudi style. And, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's more mellow stuff, actually, more um, piano music. Not really classic music, but more uh, modern, maybe modern classic, something like that. That's mostly what I have when when listening to to music when you listen to music how does it help you edit an image that goes back to my music days uh actually because um i i'm not good with notes so um i usually had images in my mind when writing lyrics 
or forming vocal lines. So it kind of goes full circle to now um, also have music while editing images. So it has always been combined to me, maybe because I... I grew up in the 80s, music videos were big then, so maybe that subconsciously stuck in my mind that visuals and music are always linked together. So music nowadays, it helps me get into a mood or stay in a mood. It's mostly staying in a mood. From your field work? Mm, no, I try, actually, I try to separate that. Uh, I try to take some time off since shooting before picking up the file to edit. It's usually when I get back from a photo tour. Um, it takes some time to edit stuff because um, as much as I enjoy being in the field, I do like to strip off some of those emotions that I felt while shooting. I think it helps me being a bit more objective while editing and see things more neutral. I think that helps to to have my images work as an image because obviously the people that look at their images they they don't they don't have the experience that I did while shooting so sometimes that's what I noticed for me personally um, being too close too involved with my imagery while editing sometimes doesn't help creating why do you think that is hmm maybe it gets me more aware of flaws that I see in images. I, I always I always describe it like a painter does add things to a canvas. And as a photographer, I take things away out of an image. I, I try to simplify. That's what I try in the field, but even more so while editing. It's like having colors more cohesively. Um, I'm not against cropping, not at all. I often crop stuff out. Or maybe sometimes when with border control, I, I clone stamp things out. So I try to simplify and maybe stripping off those emotions also simplifies my approach to, to an image. That's very interesting because it's, it's like we have two completely opposite approaches to infield work and post-processing. I can't get an image onto the computer and start processing it fast enough because mm -hmm. I don't want to lose that mm -hmm. connection, that emotional connection that I have from my field work and remembering from the field, okay, getting ideas of, of what I want to process throughout the frame that I just captured. Um, has, has it always been that way for you or was that something that you learned over time through trial and error? I still have images that I go to right away. I mean, when I'm when I'm I mean, I'm all excited with my new images that I take back after shooting. Don't get me wrong. But um and I, I pick some images, usually the ones that are edited fast, that I don't do much with. Though I, I pick up those. But usually not the ones that I that I feel will be the best ones from a shoot. Um the ones that I think, well, this one's gonna be really good. I leave it lying and marinating and waiting just like a good wine to pick up taste. And I, and I don't I don't think it lacks emotion then, not at all. It's just that I add a, a different creative spin to it. And like a fine wine, do they always age well with time? Not always. <laughs> you know how <laughs> things go. Sometimes uh, it stalls. And it, 
um, I mean, um, with with your own work, I don't know how it is with, for you, but sometimes when I look back at images that are just, I don't know, four, five, six months old, I think like, oh God, what did I do there? It's just crap. But I mean, this just comes and goes like uh, like waves. Um, and I, I think I got used to that. And I think it's just natural behavior for an, for somebody who's creative that you look back at your work and as long as you're not shocked looking at it, I think it's good, but you always see something that could be improved. So uh, this keeps me going. And uh, <laughs> I, I used to tell people, I'm afraid I will ever take the perfect image because that day I will probably stop doing it because what what else to discover after that? And, and since I'm... That. I mean, since I'm far away from the perfect shots, I can keep going for many, many years. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of your accolades would beg to differ. You know, you just won 2020 International Landscape Photograph of the Year. When when you see that award or you hear somebody say that, that you won that, what emotion do you have? It's still kind of unbelievable, actually, especially when I um, look at the images that are inside this book. I mean... They, they always choose the best 101 images in their opinion. And you can always argue with uh, the judge's decision when you look at the winners of any contest. That's just natural. Um, but being chosen there, wow, that it's just, yeah, it, ma it made me happy. It didn't, it didn't change me as a person. Uh, there would be something wrong if it did. Uh, it helped me business-wise with my photography for sure. And it made me maybe be a bit more self-confident about what I do. But other than that, it didn't change a thing, I'd say. But it still feels nice. And I, I was extremely happy uh, when I got notified. What do you attribute to your fast rise through landscape photography when we're talking about, you know, awards and accolades? You know, you, you said you started and just a few years ago and other people it takes years and years mm -hmm. to build up a rapport like that to me it didn't feel that fast while in the act because especially when starting out I, it's like every free time i had i dedicated to photography either being in the field or watching videos listening to podcasts reading stuff it's like every free minute i was in that and always editing images always trying to uh, improve on how I do things and so that feels like I've been doing this for so long but I, but I know I mean looking from the outside in five years is nothing for a photography journey so yes looking from the outside in it looks like it's it happened really fast but uh, for me it, it felt like a natural growth sort of which 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 may sound strange to most people but it didn't feel um like a lightning strike to me. How long did you expect it to take? I didn't expect anything. It's a good answer. <laughs> it's a true answer. Um, I mean, I always hoped for for stuff. I mean, once you enter a contest, you you like to see your images stand somewhere um, at at the top. But I never imagined I could be landing first place there. So that was like, oh wow, what what did just happen there? Um, I, I, I mean, it's a two-sided affair with, with contests. Um, f first of all, I think art isn't meant to be 
ranked. I always always explain it that way. I mean, when you go to a museum and you see images there, you don't see Dali being on position three or Mark Rothko hanging his image on number 17. That thought is just plain ridiculous. Uh, so in a way, it's also ridiculous to enter your image into a contest and see it being ranked. But I mean, I, I guess we humans are, are some ambiguous beings. And there's also a competitive side inside me. And I, uh, yeah, I, I try to see where my images go. And that's why I entered. Where do where does that competitive side stand in terms of the community of landscape photography and, and the connections and relationships within it? That's a good one. I think there's a high competitiveness inside this community, um, which is actually, I, I don't know if it has always been like this, also with classic artists. I mean, usually those like Cezanne and everything, uh, all those artists, um, they they were usually in a group. It's it's like the photo landscape community nowadays. You can see them sort of being like in a group too. Everyone likes to have a moment of attention from the audience. Some more than others. Some <laughs> seem to battle for that almost every day and others don't need it maybe that much. Bottom line, I, I think, understandably, if, if it's your main job, if it's your business, if you make a living out of photography, you you have to stand out in a way just to make it and earn a living. If you do it as a side job like I do, you don't need to be that way. Um, still, mm, yeah, like I said, still there's a competitive side to it in in. It feels good to to get some accolades, but the question is after that, and now what? I mean, once you reach that, so what, what does it really matter? And for me personally, I found that feeling some sort of balance in what I do and in, in, in getting a grip on what creativity means to me as a person, that actually is much more important to me than any contest win or any like count or any amount of prints I sell. Yeah, I would say what, that. What answer that for me? What does that balance of creativity mean to you? I don't know if that's because of age or whatever, or maybe because of ups and downs in my life uh, that I came to realize how important being creative is for me. Uh, like I said, I, I have always been a creative person but I just did that. I didn't think about it. I just happened to be doing that. And it was, I always enjoyed it. And I knew it was a fun part. It's like when a person does sports every other day. I mean, I did too back in the day, but <laughs> maybe should get back to sports one day. Um, but now that, I mean, having a stressful time in my life with, with family hiccups, uh, with kids growing up, also with a very demanding job, I came to realize that, that just the fact of being creative, being out in the field and being on a computer editing my images, that is much more fulfilling than getting feedback from people. Also, I, I one day I, I asked my son, when does he feel the happiest? When he has his images, when he likes drawing too. When he has his drawings or images 
done and presents it to his parents or friends or when or while he's creating and he said it's while creating and i smiled looking at him and i said well i'm the same it's i'm the happiest while i'm creating and being aware of that that gives me some sort of balance did it take time to be aware of that i think i never really thought about it i never considered it as being a uh, balancing element in my life but coming to this awareness makes me f- it gives me some sense of calm a, a nice calm in, in which i think uh for example when, when I, I get asked about my instagram often well how did you get so many followers and how much does it mean to you and as much as it means it doesn't it doesn't dictate on what or how i do it probably because i feel that balance and i know that being creative means much more than i don't know being dictated by any algorithm on an on an app Hey guys, I just want to pause real quick to tell you about a really good opportunity that you have right now to get 33% off any of my courses for landscape photography, how to improve your photography in infield work or post-processing, whether that be panoramas or some work in the beginnings of Photoshop. So right now you can go to my website, davidjohnstonart.com and get any of those courses for 33% off for a limited time, or you can go to Visual Will wilderness.com and get any of my post-processing courses on there for 33% off for a limited time when you use the code david33 during checkout. Again, that's davidjohnsonart.com or visualwilderness.com using the code david33 to get 33% off any of my post-processing or infield courses for a limited time. Let's get back to our discussion with Kai though. You describe this this calm that you feel, this peace, and you have a photo of you driving a Cessna over <laughs> Iceland, and mm-hmm. there's a, a smile on your face, and I can almost feel that that calm when when I remember that photo that I was looking at just this morning. I can tell you, I didn't feel calm that very moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a small. The first time I've, I was inside such a small plane. I've only been a passenger in, in the usual airline uh, planes, so flying there was a oh, that was a great moment. And then <laughs> um, Haraldur, a volcano pilot, at a moment he said, "Well, you know, just hold that stick here, and you do this and that." And I did. And he said, "Okay, and now I'm letting go. Now you're flying." And I was like, "What?" And that was <laughs> just shortly before he clicked. But it's I don't know. It it felt yet yeah, felt awesome great adrenaline rush and I, I guess that image makes me look calmer than I was inside it does you I mean you look like you have full control and you know what you're doing I was fully focused to not crash that thing <laughs> <laughs> it was immense joy though really that flight was amazing well can we stick on Iceland for a second because mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of photographs coming out of of Iceland and yeah I mean, we can talk about other places too, iconic places for for landscape photography. But going through your portfolio, it was almost like I know I know that location, but I've never seen it in that way. Have you always spent time in the field, and how much time do you spend in the field reworking 
famous locations or, or even locations that we can use the term shot to death. Mm -hmm. You certainly find those places in Iceland. Um, mm. It has his, uh, that major tourist attractions. Just like you in the US, you have so many famous and iconic locations. I mean, let's just say the Nick Page, Mesa Arch. Mm -hmm. um, it's iconic and it's iconic for a reason because it's beautiful. Although I've never been there, but it feels like I have been there uh, a thousand times through all those images. And it can definitely be the same with, with Iceland. If you have uh, Skogafoss, one of the very easy to be reached waterfalls. Um, and if, let's say two, three, four years ago, I would have, or and I did take those images, the classic ones, and I felt happy with that. But after a while, it didn't satisfy me that much. I mean, uh, what can you add to an image other than maybe be more lucky with the conditions? So, um, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not there taking images in order to impress other people even more, but I want to impress myself and I want to satisfy my curiosity and um, just trying things. So, for example, I went to a a place that was once called the, uh, the Secret Canyon in Iceland. And usually when a place is called like that, uh, <laughs> it's usually not secret anymore on the not internet. Not so secret. No, exactly. Uh, so it was, yeah, it, the, the location got shared and the images came more and more. And I think just before that place got really well known on the internet, I, I went there with my um, travel partner and friend Miko. And we went to that um, canyon. It was an amazing hike, really nice. Um, and the view standing up there was just breathtaking. So, yes, I did take that image that almost everybody else takes. Um, have never released it. And then I started looking around and just purely enjoyed what I saw. And then I, I, I looked across and there was another waterfall. And I saw the seagulls circling. And I figured, well, just play around with the shutter speed, see what you can do with that waterfall. And then uh, it happened to turn out into that one image um, with a seagull, like in the midst or the eye of the waterfall. Mm -hmm. Call that one escape. And that's one of my personal favorite shots. And that just happened because I was, I was keeping my eyes open while being at a well-known location and trying things. It's just... I. Nowadays, it's not, or for example, last year at uh, Godafoss, also a very, even more known location. I mean, I, once you go to those locations and you're there the first time, I truly enjoy that. I just enjoy it. There's, there's maybe a tourist inside me who likes that. Then I'm, I take those images too, just because it's fun. But then I start playing around and then, yeah, curiosity takes over. And maybe I take my telelens and just focus on where the spray hits the rocks and create some fantastic rainbow or sparkling light or maybe be really abstract. That's just, to me, it feels more demanding as a photographer and in the end more satisfying to get those shots. And that's what I turned my attention to slowly. That's a great workflow. And I think, I don't know if you've seen this with people asking you questions, whether it's on a workshop email or even on clubhouse, um, and discussions and Q and A's, but 
it, it, you know, icons are not bad to go see. And I'm kind of like you, I like to go see the same places Mm -hmm. that I've seen so many times on the screen of my phone. But once you're there and you do take that shot, it's kind of like, well, well now what? Mm -hmm. And I think that question is very difficult for a lot of people to answer, not because they don't know what to do next, but because they're afraid to make a mistake yep. at an iconic place. Yeah, absolutely true. It's especially when you start out, because um, first of all, handling your camera and then all these things. You, I mean, just there's so many talks like now in Clubhouse, podcasts, videos and everything. There's so much advice floating around, sometimes good advice, sometimes bad advice. And especially when you start, you, you kind of get confused in this waterfall of good advice from people who seem to know it all and sometimes they know nothing just like nobody does and that gets confusing maybe especially when starting out well do i need this foreground element here i have to remember to focus stack also i need to polarize it because then i need the water there also shutter speed hmm but maybe i have to pay attention to the iso and what is a histogram so there's many (laughs) many checklists you have to go through um, and ultimately, this takes attention away from the main thing, and that's what makes you happy there. I mean, what what's the element that really speaks to you? And I think once you you need to go through this, and you need to ha- catch your own experiences. And nowadays, after having seen so many sunsets and having been to so many places, having shot several thousand images. Um, I can say now I'm listening to when a place speaks to me or when an image calls me instead of me trying to grab something. And I think that is a major change in your approach out in the field. And that's something It's that's also hard to teach. I think it just happens over time if you're dedicated and if you're also willing to make mistakes and if you're willing to be playful once you're out in the field. Have you ever been afraid to put yourself out there as a creative? I mean, we've talked about your past drawing and and musically and now photography. Not really afraid. Maybe that's also because of me being used to standing in, in front of an audience as a singer. I mean, once you enter the stage with your band, and you know, you are the singer, you're like at the front line of uh, in front of this, the audience. Um, it, it it also gives you some sort of experience on how to put yourself out there or, or maybe that you cannot please everyone and you get a bit more relaxed with that. And sometimes it just comes back to being courageous to just go and do things without having to worry too much. So uh, to answer short, no, I don't think I've ever been really afraid of doing that. Um but not, I've certainly not been self-aware of if I'm doing things right, especially not in the beginning. So maybe with that contest win, that has been like a little milestone where I felt like, okay, at least some judges think I cover the bases and I have some sort of uh, legitimate, uh, how do you say, I'm, I'm leg- legit to, to have my images be represented somewhere. In terms of competitions, we've talked about them a little bit. Um, 
the competition that, that you were in has gotten a little bit of pushback in some landscape photography communities about overprocessed, um, maybe stretched a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that? Um, I followed a little bit of that discussion, but I, I'm, I'm certainly aware of that discussion because that always comes up with images once you share them on the internet. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's artists that are very creative and uh, more or less just collect elements of nature and put them together in a new way or um, like like a painter. Put those elements they collected in different places and put them together like different skies different birds there's a lake which has never been there or whatever i mean that's the really creative side of things and then there's others who are very natural uh, and just like in music i think there's a place for everything and complaining about a contest having this and that shot be winning i think there's nothing to complain as as long as it's uh within the rules of the contest and as long as those images entered fit the rules of a contest, I think that should be fine. And um, I mean, with creativity, judging if art is right or wrong has usually led to troubles in history. So I think there's a place for everything, but I understand both sides. And sometimes think people relax. It's just images. You talked about you know, comparisons and photography. I'm interested, could you compare or correlate a musical artist since we have talked so much about music to your style of photography? Oh, wow. I did the same question with Alex Noriega. So did did you find an answer? He wouldn't really give me one. Um, I told him maybe he was the Beatles, but he would not accept that. Hmm. He, to me, could very well be the Beatles because I just love what he does. Um, An artist with my photography. That would be an extrovert introvert. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a trying. It wouldn't be ACDC because uh, ACDC to me stands for doing one thing, doing it great if you like that but only doing that thing hmm maybe not as diverse but a u2 kind of band i don't know that's okay i, I, w- I would i would like to be more like radiohead but i guess i'm not as huh um i like that though radiohead yeah i, I think they're they are more creative than i am so i i would go replacing skies and then complete naturalism and then boudoir and food and I'd maybe be all over the place with my work so that that would be probably Radiohead but other than that uh let's say I'm going with Radiohead just because I like that band okay I like that answer because they're <laughs> very I mean they're very diverse in their styles if you look at the bins versus okay computer I mean those mm-hmm. two very different sounds oh yes and there's some sort of evolution. So I would claim to have that too. Also starting with a more popular style that also applies. I think these, they have found their own balance. I would like to say, I, I or it feels like I did too. 
Uh, they are a bit more successful than I am, so they <laughs> <laughs> so we split ways here. <laughs> In terms of evolution, what do you see your photography evolving into now that uh, we're we're kind of getting into the stages of being post-pandemic uh vaccines are rolling out people are starting to travel a little bit more what have you learned throughout this this pandemic and 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 creatively with resources like clubhouse that connect you to other photographers and new ideas around the world you know how is your imagery gonna going to advance I don't know if that really relates to the phase we're in. Um, I think we all, as a community, we just need to go out again sometime. Or maybe just in these days, we are maybe too caught up with ourselves. <laughs> we have too much time to to uh, think about ourselves. That's good for some while, but then just go out and enjoy being in that flow state again and like project wise or image wise i would like to see myself going more into a direction of um putting a series of images together um so far it's been mostly more singular images moments uh collected but less so with a yeah certain storyline in mind or like like having a portfolio of 12 shots featuring a certain theme uh, um or story I would like to work more on that. I'm curious. The one question I have, we we signed on and, and we were just shooting the breeze a little bit before we got on the recording part. Um, being an HR consultant, but also being a successful landscape photographer, why not go full-time in landscape photography? Mm-hmm. Um. would have asked if you had asked me that like one and a half two years ago i probably would have said yeah it's my dream to do that also to or also because it sometimes sounds like a pro photographer just knows much more and can be much more uh, successful in being good at his craft truth is as a pro photographer you have to deal with um lots of business things there's tax papers there is uh invoices you have to write in stuff like that and you just have to make a living which means uh there is a job part involved so i came to also coming back to the, the balance thing i came to the conclusion that what i'm doing right now actually opens up the possibility for me to just do what i want i can turn down offers if they don't feel right I don't have to shoot this and that or turn in those many articles or do whatever to earn a living. Um, I don't have that financial pressure. So I can't, I can make a series of 100 images that suck completely and nobody would care. <laughs> Maybe I would have different pressure if I was making a living of it. So actually I'm on a positive side. Also, I mean, look at COVID. Um, if I had dependent on workshops, I don't know, several colleagues of us uh, are highly struggling right now. So maybe not the best time to to get full time into landscape if you depend on, on those tours highly. 
other than that, I could see myself going um, to do it, uh, like um, reduce my working hours, maybe just work four days for as a uh, HR consultant and have one day a week just for photography, which ultimately would change more into a job. I'm, I'm aware of that, but I could see myself going that way. But doing it full time, hmm, I'm not seeing me there right now. No. Was that realization liberating for you? In a way, in a, also in a way that um, calling myself an amateur photographer, like two years ago, I would have thought this sounds like a, a B-class photographer, but realizing you can still create class work while being an amateur, or maybe <laughs> come to the conclusion, since you are an amateur, you have more time to work in this image because you, you are not on a deadline to turn 10 images in like a pro maybe would in certain times. So, um, yeah, I came at peace with that. What is next for you in photography? Like we mentioned workshops. I know you've been doing clubhouse a lot, uh, for, for weekly talks, which are absolutely, absolutely engaging and, and inspirational. Thank you. Um, that just happened by chance. I mean, I hadn't heard of clubhouse, maybe like most of us, Two months ago, Clubhouse, never heard of that. Then I got in. It felt interesting, and I noticed there's many photographers there, but only wedding and um, people photographers mm -hmm. and hardly any landscape photographers. That soon changed, and just by chance, I found... Uh, I mean, I know Felix Inden, and I know Sandra Bartocha. I also knew um, um, Bernard Girardi because he interviewed me for his podcast, and we just happened to be around and started this regular clubhouse talk, which is fun. Uh, but we don't have any plans to install a franchise there. We do it as long as it feels good and is fun. But we also said it's good to have the four of us because that opens the door for anyone just taking a week off or whatever. So as long as it's fun doing that, we will be doing that. Um, the response has been great. But I don't want to be recognized or known for my clubhouse talks. I want mm -hmm. to be recognized and known for my for my images and my mm -hmm. art that I'm creating there. So if if it turns out to be the other thing that people will talk more about my moderation on clubhouse, then I think it's time to maybe phase out there because that because photography itself creating is way more important to me and I. I want to turn my attention to that first trip you're taking out of covid is where who talking with mikkel we are riding back and forth madeira was planned mm. um in april but that's, that's too high soon. on my list high on my list it's, it's like if i've been there once in 2018 it's like a photographer's playground because it's yeah. so diverse so you, you you cannot be wrong going there i can tell you that um but he already reached out to a rental company we went with last year in Iceland. So we might be going to Iceland again in midsummer. Other than that, um, yeah, so it's probably Iceland. Otherwise, maybe the Azores, which is uh, belongs also to Portugal. Somewhere like that. And there's still 
want to go to the US. <laughs> I mean, I'm still waiting on my money from Scandinavian Airlines. If they're listening, you can send me the money back because the flight was supposed to be going in May last year. <laughs> I Do you want a... me to mention them when I tweet this episode out? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, ho I hope by then the money has been returned, but uh, kind of ridiculous. I mean, May, that's it's almost a year ago. And uh, I wanted to go on a two-week tour and visit several locations in the U.S. Well, whenever you do get over here, give me a shout. And oh, yeah. uh, he's Kai Hornung. Kai, thank you so much for joining us and, and talking photography. Thanks so much, David. It was lots of fun. Thank you.